Hello and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, it's the post-game podcast from the Timberwolves' thrilling win over the OKC Thunder as the Wolves overtake the number one spot in the Western Conference once again. We'll talk about the late-game execution, which was night and day. Much, much better than what we've seen over the last, really, week and a half to two weeks. We'll break that down, plus a lot of other thoughts throughout the course of the game. Uh, great play from Jaden, from Jordan McLaughlin, some unsung heroes for the Wolves, and uh, some other key takeaways with how the Wolves defended SGA, defended Chet Holmgren, and defended the Thunder overall. It's all upcoming. Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your best bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It's a victory Tuesday after a big Wolves win over OKC on Monday night, splitting the season series with the Thunder and retaking the number one spot in the Western Conference, which the Wolves have held for you know the better part of the last couple of months, kind of been going back and forth over the last week with OKC. The Wolves now have it, and there is no tiebreak advantage um, as of right now. And actually, I mean, Denver won too. So now actually the Wolves are a full game ahead of OKC and a half game ahead of Denver in the West, and OKC officially dropped to third in the Western Conference. So Lots to get to today on the post-game pod. I want to start with the end of the game, the Timberwolves' execution in the fourth quarter on both ends of the floor because it was phenomenal. One of our key uh, talking points on Monday following the debacle in San Antonio on Saturday night was how bad the Wolves have been in fourth quarters on both sides of the ball, and they were great in this game. I want to get to some other stuff, some unsung heroes. I want to talk about how the Wolves defended Josh Giddy, how they, well, really how they defended the Thunder by using Josh Giddy to their advantage, how they defended Chet Holmgren, who had an extremely quiet game. Lots to get to here today. A big thank you off the top, though, for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow on X at Locked on T-Wolves and also at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, uh, let's start with the fourth quarter. I mean, the Wolves have been so bad in the fourth quarter here recently, um, and I mentioned this on, on Monday, but coming into the Spurs game when they were also terrible in the fourth quarter, the Wolves had a net rating over their previous four games in the fourth quarter like over negative 45. That was according to Bally Sports North during the Saturday broadcast against the Spurs. And then they proceeded to kick the game away against San Antonio on Saturday night. So it only got worse. And I went back on the show on Monday and talked through like they had a 15 point. I think, what was it? Three out of the last five games, they were below 20 points or actually below 18 points in the fourth quarter. And they won a couple of them simply because they had leads and the defense was decent. But they also had some stretches where the defense was not good, like the Spurs game, right? Um, and in this game, they locked down on both sides of the ball in this game. Um I ripped a lot on Chris Finch for rotations on Monday's show, and I think deservedly so with how things shook out on Saturday. That was fixed. There was not a major rotation issue in this game. Jade McDaniels played some, um, you know, the, the start of the second quarter, start of the fourth quarter, which he did not do on Saturday, and I don't think typically does. Um, that seemed to be very savvy. McDaniels got into a bit of foul trouble. He picked up that fifth foul early in the fourth. But with the way that um, the Thunder were 
were resting SGA, their pattern there, that actually worked out where McDaniels was able to come back with four-ish minutes in the game and never ended up fouling out. So uh, Chris Finch did a great job with the rotations. But the last few possessions, one of the things the Wolves have been lacking so often this year on offense is, of course, structure. And I've talked about this on Lockdown Wolves quite a bit. But they actually ran some legitimate sets late in this game to at least get some pre-planned motion into the offense, right? Like the Thunder obviously know the Wolves want to get the ball in Anter Cat's hands and those guys are supposed to score and or create at the end of games. And OKC's a really good defensive team. But what it did is it at least gave, this sounds weird, but like it gave Ant like a purpose on this possession. Like, hey, you're going to run this pick and roll. If this isn't open, here's the next action. Here's the next option. I thought the biggest, there were four or five consecutive possessions where they actually ran sets and got good shots off. One was when Nikhil Alexander-Walker almost had an open three in the left corner, pump faked into a, I don't know, 14-footer, a mid-range shot. And when he was shooting the ball, I actually thought to myself, I don't know that he's going to make this. Nikhil Alexander-Walker does not shoot mid-range jumpers, but he canned it. And it was the absolute right read by him. I was just nervous because like, he doesn't shoot from that area of the floor, right? Like, He's not quite Nas where he is like allergic to mid-range jumpers, but he doesn't shoot them with frequency. And it was a great a great read by Nikhil Alexander-Walker and a fantastic make. I think at the time it put them up one. It was when they were kind of going back and forth with OKC. And then I think it was the next time down the floor, Ant comes off a screen, uh, you know, a high screen, high ball screen, and just kind of threads an, an easy, like, not lazy, but it was it, it was the perfect, I don't know how else to describe this, it was really the perfect bounce pass to Jaden McDaniels in the right corner, and it was, he was a pass away, like he was a player away, and Ant kind of threaded it between the defender and whoever else was standing on the wing, kind of in the slot, perfect bounce pass to, to Jaden McDaniels, and I thought overall, Ant actually didn't pass the ball that well in this game. Uh, the decision making was, I think, pretty good for him for the most part. But there were a couple of possessions where he, I thought, he messed up the pass. This was a perfect pass, and it was maybe the biggest single possession of the game, except for then he one upped it. I think the next time down, when he turned the corner and saw Lane to the basket and just threw down a two handed just hammer, should have gotten the foul call. Uh, SGA hit him clearly on the forearm, and they didn't call a foul. It was. Like I know Ant complains a lot, but after the play, the Thunder called a timeout. He went to every single official individually and said, "How did you not see that?" You know, grabbing his arm like he hit me right here on the forearm. Um, and of course, he, he he was hammered on the play, and they didn't they didn't call it. But um, the point here is the structure and the offense at the end of the game, and then the execution by the players. Obviously, like you can have all the structure you want, you have to execute the play call, and. The Wolves, and specifically Ant and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, did that extremely well down the stretch. They didn't try to do too much. Ant didn't, and and Cat didn't. Um, they also had a play, I think it was might have been before all the ones I just listed, I believe they actually, like Rudy got the ball, had a mismatch, and ended up getting a dunk. There's the play where they missed the shot inside, and Jaden McDaniels had an extremely acrobatic, acrobatic tip-in as he was kind of like losing his legs underneath him, tipped it in, and then fell to the floor. It was an incredible play. Like, the stick to of this team down the stretch is the exact opposite of what we've seen so often here recently. And, you know, they finished the game with nine offensive rebounds, which is a really good number for them. And there were a couple big ones there down the stretch. That to me was the biggest takeaway of this game. And on the, on the other end of the floor, defensively, 
there were some possessions that were absolute clinics in this game for Minnesota. There were some in the first half. I want to talk more about some of the, uh, as I have them there on the the rundown on the side, if you're watching on YouTube, some of the unsung heroes like Troy Brown Jr. played rotation minutes of the first half for the first time in like, I don't know, almost six weeks. And there was one particular possession where like mid-possession, I was like, oh, the, there's no way the Thunder are scoring. This is perfect. And it was like, Ball change sides of the floor, rotations from the Wolves were perfect. You had stunt like TBJ stunted at somebody and recovered, and, and whoever's man it was recovered. Like it was perfect, and it led to like a deep miss three by somebody. I, I can't remember who it was on the Thunder. It was just a perfect defensive possession. In the fourth quarter, that's also what we saw. You watch back a couple of those. Chet Holmgren was seeing ghosts. We'll talk more about that. Um, Rudy was locking down the paint. Cat was riding guys into the paint, passing them off to Rudy, and then Rudy was passing them back off to the perimeter. It was just um, exquisite defense by the Wolves in the late fourth quarter. And the only way the Thunder were scoring was SGA getting to the line, you know, a couple spot-up threes that he created those looks for Jalen Williams and others. Um, but the the level that the Wolves played out on both ends of the floor is how you have to play on the road against a, a team that was number one in the West coming into this game that just beat you in your house to go on the road to OKC. And, and yeah, I know they're on the second night of a back-to-back. I know they just lost to the Pistons. But, I mean, honestly, like, I kind of expected them to come out even better because they lost to Detroit 24 hours prior, right? Like, they they want to get that bad taste out of their mouths. I, and I just, it's fair to assume that the Wolves were looking ahead when they lost the Spurs on Saturday, looking ahead to this game. The Thunder were looking ahead last night to this game. And the Wolves ended up coming out on top. Plus, no Mike Conley. I didn't even mention that. Like, Conley didn't play in this game. That's a significant piece to be missing for Minnesota. I have some other key takeaways. That's what I want to do next. I want to talk about the Wolves' non-SGA plan. I want to talk about some unsung heroes. Yes, we'll talk about free throws. Uh, So we'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our new friends at Quiz. Today, we're going to have some fun and test your Timberwolves knowledge. Who scored the most points in a single game in Minnesota Timberwolves franchise history? You should be able to get this one. There's a recent answer. But even before the recent instance, uh, this player also held that record. We'll get back to that here in a second. Quiz with three eyes. It's Q-U-I-I-I-Z is the next generation trivia experience. It's also the world's first platform where you can earn money playing knowledge games. And for Lockdown Wolves fans, they've created an NBA quiz game where you can test your knowledge and win real cash. Play with friends or other fans and let your knowledge shine all the way to the bank. You can play without downloading anything. Just go to app.quiz, again with three eyes app.quiz.com and start playing today. NBA quiz is the ultimate knowledge challenge for fans that live and breathe basketball. I did sign up the other day. I played, I won my first head to head. Um, I, I beat the challenger in the one-on-one trivia competition, felt really good about that and need to continue on my journey in uh, the quiz app. It is a ton of fun. By the way, if you didn't know the answer to the trivia question, just go back. What are we eight days now? Carl Thitty Towns, 62 points against um, Charlotte last week, of course, in a loss. Prior to that, he had 60 against the Spurs a couple years ago. But he has the most points in a single game in Timberwolves history. It's not, you know, it's not Kevin Love. It's not Kevin Garnett. It's not Andrew Wiggins or Jimmy Butler or anybody like that. It is Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, go to app.quiz.com to test your knowledge and win cash today. That's quiz with three eyes, just like a three-pointer. Play now, showcase your skills. And take home cash prizes, app.quiz.com, where fans become champions. 
Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, some additional takeaways from this game beyond the close for Minnesota. The first one is the non-SGA plan that they had for, or I guess the plan they had for non-SGA Thunder players. This to me was was really obvious, and they've deployed this before, uh, which is essentially load up on SGA, make Josh Giddy beat you from outside the arc. Um, you know, they kind of had Jaden McDaniels guard Chet Holmgren for stretches. We'll get to the Chet thing in a second. Giddy is hilarious to me. Um, I was at this game in OKC and uh, <laughs> Josh Giddy made his first three three-pointers and I looked at my son and I said, hey, that's the game plan. They're going to let him shoot those. Actually, after his second one, I said, he's not going to keep making those. Um, and then he made his third one and I said, I'm telling you, he's not going to make another one. Like They're just going to let him keep shooting it. Sure enough, he missed his next four three-pointers over the rest of the game. One of them was almost immediately, and then he he missed a couple later uh, in the game and finished, what, four of seven or two of three of seven outside the arc. And Giddy ended up like, I he wasn't, he didn't have a very good game. And he actually ended up only playing 19 minutes because the Wolves had this very clear plan. And obviously, you know, the Wolves aren't the only team that said, hey, make Josh Giddy beat us. He's the only like clear negative shooter on the floor for them. But like the last time when the Wolves lost the Thunder uh, at home by what, five, uh, just over a week ago, Giddy, Dort, some of these guys did not shoot the ball that well. And I remember saying on the postgame pod, like, hey, this is almost the perfect game for Minnesota. It was just the late game execution and the, the 21 turnovers. Like, those those things are major problems, but they did really well on the glass like you need to. They punished the Thunder in the paint because they have the size advantage you have to. But you can't hold Giddy and Dort and some of these guys to bad shooting nights and then not win. Well, they did it here. Lou Dort was 0 of 6 outside the arc. Giddy was 3 of 7 outside the arc. And I thought the Wolves had a good plan of trying to pack the paint, trying to load up on SGA. They played a zone for a, a fair amount of this game, and, and it bit them a little bit. It was really more, I think, second quarter when the Thunder got some offensive rebounds that I think were almost a direct result of the Timberwolves being in zone. It's just a little bit harder to rebound in a zone, especially when, you know, you know, NBA teams like you're not boxing out on every play, right? That's just not how guys rebound in the NBA. It's hard to put a body on someone and grab a board in the zone when you're, when you're playing a zone. Um, they also did kind of this pseudo zone thing where it was like, they, it's kind of what teams do to Ant. And we see teams try and do to Luca sometimes where you kind of play one and a half on the ball and you shade everybody like a half guy, essentially. You just got to look for back cuts and you can't, you try not to leave anybody wide open. But if you do, hopefully it's Josh Giddy. And overall, you know, it worked. And actually, Chris Finch said something about this in the post game. Um, I, I watched it right before I recorded and I had this all in my notes already. He literally brought up, I forget exactly how he said it, but he said, yeah, we had a plan to let, make some guys beat us. And early on they were, and then later on they weren't and it worked out. Something to that effect. That's exactly, he was talking about Josh Giddy, right? Um, and And it worked. That's exactly what they're. <coughs> this is exactly what they were trying to do, and it worked out to a T for Minnesota. Um, Chet Holmgren. Chet didn't do home too much against his uh, his hometown squad. Four points on nine shots for Chet Holmgren. Rudy Gobert had him seen ghosts in this game, and the first I think it was the first game the Wolves and Thunder played that the Wolves won the play in tournament game at the end of November. 
that uh, Rudy blocked Chet multiple times in the same possession. It was like clapping his hands and pumping everybody up, himself up. Rudy was mid-possession after just Ding up. And, you know, Chet had a couple of good games here when the Thunder won, but they locked him down in this game. And credit to Jaden McDaniels. They had him guarding Chet using the combination of his length and his quickness to stay in front of Chet to not allow him to put the ball on the floor, turn the corner like he might against slower players. And then anytime Holmgren had the ball near the paint, Rudy was just an absolute deterrent. And throughout the game, but especially late too. And there was one shot late that he altered. There was a three that Chet just bricked off the front of the rim. Um, I don't even know that it was Rudy on the contest, but I think it might've been Cat actually. But either way, Chet just never looked comfortable in this game. He had a couple of nice blocks, but offensively, he was a mess. Four points, two of nine shooting, O of two outside the arc, two assists, but he also had two turnovers. It was just a really solid job by Minnesota on Chet Holmgren. They just had a great plan, and they said, hey, SGA has to be the one to do all of the scoring for you guys. Otherwise, you're not going to beat us. It's exactly what happened. Uh, Jalen Williams was awesome again. He had 20 points, although it took him 17 shots to do it. He only had three assists to two turnovers. He was good. But this is the problem with the Thunder, is if Chet has an off game, they don't have anyone else besides SGA and Jalen Williams. Now, I want to be clear. like They're still really good. They probably finish in the third or fourth seed in the West. Uh, they're, and it's mostly because the biggest reason is SGA is a top, I'll call him top six, top seven player, not any worse than that in the league. So, of course, they're going to be really good. Um, he's the best player on the floor, right, when the Wolves play the Thunder. But the Wolves have the next, like, three best players, right? Like, like I mean, you wouldn't argue Jalen Williams or Chet Holmgren is a better player than Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert. Like, with a straight face, you would you shouldn't, at least. I mean, don't do that, because it's, it's not right. So the Thunder have the best player, but the Wolves have the next best three players. And we could have a conversation then about, you know, legitimately about Conley and McDaniels and, and you know, their worth compared to Giddy, Dort, Holmgren, like, right? Um but all that to say, this is the problem. Like those two guys combined for 57 of the Thunders 101, so more than half of their points, only one other player scored in double figures for them. Nobody else scored more than eight. Kenrich Williams hit a couple of big threes late in this game that kind of helped the Thunder stay in it. Uh, but besides that, like there wasn't much else. Uh, SGA slash free throws. This, this topic is, well, that is the topic. The Thunder attempted six. Uh, excuse me, the Thunder attempted 22 free throws. 16 of them were by Shea Gilgis Alexander. How many free, free throws did the Wolves attempt? Well, here, let me put it up on the screen for you if you're watching on YouTube. The Wolves attempted 15 free throws in this game. How many did I say SGA attempted? That's right, he attempted 16 free throws. Shea Gilgis Alexander attempted more free throws than the entire Timberwolves team. There were a couple possessions, like SGA's incredible. He turns the corner and like, there aren't many guys that can turn the corner on Alexander Walker or McDaniels and just beat him to the rim. And he did a couple of times, more than a couple of times. But the way that he was officiated in this game and the way that Anthony Edwards, Anthony Edwards, you know how many free throws Ant got? He got four. Ant shot 15 two-point shots and got four free throw attempts. Shea Gilgis Alexander shot 15 two-point shots and got 16 free throw attempts. Now, Drawing free throws is an art. It is a skill. There is skill involved, right? And I've said this about Joel Embiid. Embiid, SGA, 
you know, go on down the list. Luca Harden, these guys all are really good at drawing fouls. And a lot of the time they are legitimately fouled. And it's a combination of they're good at it and they're quick and it's hard to defend them without legitimately fouling. And they're good at allowing the officials to see the foul called. But there should not be a differential of 12 free throws. These guys played virtually the same number of minutes. They shot the exact same number of two-point field goals. I, you know, I didn't pull their shot charts, but both of them are getting to the rim and shooting mid-range. That's in both of their games, right? They both like to get to the elbows. And like, you can't tell me that Ant didn't deserve more than four free throws if SJ is going to get sixteen, right? Uh, it's just kind of crazy. Um, now, all that to say. Thankfully, the Wolves made their free throws. They ended up, you know, only down four points at the line because the Thunder were 17 to 22 and the Wolves were 13 to 15. So, uh, you know, you see that there. Minnesota was only a minus four at the line and they were dead even on threes because they shot less threes but had shot a higher percentage, which that's basically the story of the season for the Wolves, right? They still don't shoot enough threes, but they make them. They get to the line a fair amount and they mostly make them beside that Spurs game Saturday. That was a big part of their loss was just, what were they, 8 of 15 at the line? So the Wolves' free throw attempts in general are down a little bit here lately. That's something to track. I think the Wolves are, um, I don't know. I think we're going to, as much as it gets tiresome to hear Ant and Cat specifically complain, I think Chris Finch has had about enough of the Timberwolves being the best team in the West for the majority of the season and Ant being a rising star and not getting the whistle that some of these other guys get. Like, I don't know. It's just, just watch it. All right. Uh, I want to do Unsung Heroes here. And which will lead right into individual studs and duds, and that's how we'll close the show here today. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at BetterHelp. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Around New Year's, and we're still around New Year's, we're still, uh, I don't know, around the corner from Groundhog's Day, I guess, but it's the time of year that we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we might already be doing right. Maybe you finally organized a part of your space. That's something I've set out to do this New Year's, be a bit more organized and uh, you just want to tackle another. Maybe you're trying to be healthy. You're taking supplements. You want to eat breakfast, et cetera, uh, but are struggling to stay on track here early in the new year. Well, therapy can help you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. And for me, that's what I struggle with is go, trying to go too big with resolutions. Like let's take baby steps. Therapy can help make sure that you're on the right track there. If you're thinking about starting therapy, consider giving BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress that you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash lockdownmba today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash lockdownmba. Today's show is also brought to us by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. Prop bets are my absolute favorite thing to do on Super Bowl Sunday. I have uh, a buddy that, you know, our families get together. We sit down before the game, just a little before the game. We go through all the prop bets. We get involved in all of them, uh, whether it's pregame stuff. I'm, there's going to be lots of pop culture stuff this year. There always is, but get ready. Uh, if, if I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and then also, of course, the game prop bets as well. There's so many ways that FanDuel has for you to end your season with a W or maybe two or three, depending on how many prop bets you pick, take part in. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. Like I said, tons of prop bets. New customers join today. You'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. 
Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, some unsung heroes in this game that aren't necessarily going to hit the the uh, studs or duds list because this was a star-dominated finish to this one. Let's talk about Troy Brown Jr. Congrats to DBJ for breaking the rotation, or breaking into the rotation, I should say, uh, for the first time since, I don't know, it was before Christmas, I think, like six weeks ago, five, six weeks ago. Uh, Troy Brown played some third, or excuse me, second quarter minutes, did not play in the second half at all, and didn't register a stat other than he missed a shot and committed a foul. Um, I thought he played well. I mentioned a defensive possession in the first segment that he stunted on, rotated well. It was crisp. Um, he was, you know, of course, partly played, really played because Mike Conley was out. He got the minutes that Shake Milton had gotten Saturday, but they also just played Nikhil Alexander-Walker a lot more. Uh, he played 35 minutes, Alexander-Walker did in this game. And uh, so TBJ only got six minutes of run in the first half, but I thought he played well enough. I was a little surprised I didn't have him play in the second, like some of those Kyle Anderson minutes when Jaden McDaniels went out with the fifth foul. And Kyle Anderson took a shot below the belt. Uh, was it late third, early fourth quarter, something like that? So I was a little surprised that there wasn't more of an opportunity for Brown to get minutes in the second half. But overall... Uh, he was really good, and I think he's earned more minutes. I've I've been a big Troy Brown guy on this show for a long time. I think he deserves minutes, even if they're just like short minutes at the end of quarters, whatever it is. Like he gives you energy, he gives you shooting, he can handle the ball a little bit. I, I just think there's a lot that he can bring to the table. Jordan McLaughlin was phenomenal in this game. I know he's he was only a plus one in 14 minutes. This is but like his job isn't to expand the lead, right? His job is to hold serve. Like, it just is. Like, not everybody's going to be a positive plus minus. You got to be around that zero mark if you're coming in off the bench. Like, McLaughlin, he got he scored 10 points in 14 minutes, didn't miss a shot, knocked down a couple of huge threes, um, and also made a tough layup in the fourth quarter, got into the paint and finished over Chet. Just a really phenomenal play from Jordan McLaughlin. Only one assist to one turnover. Like, it wasn't a noisily, like, strong McLaughlin game. But the 10 points were pretty noisy. He brought what he needed to to the table. was really good. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, like, uh, he's maybe not an unsung hero because he played 35 minutes. But to be tasked with guarding his cousin, SGA, the way that he did, and also contribute offensively, he hit some. He had some big plays down the stretch. He was only 2 of 7 outside the arc, but played real well. Uh, so good game for Alexander-Walker. Studs and duds. Uh, Anthony Edwards, man. 27 points on 10 of 20 shooting, three of five outside the arc, hit a big three. Uh, what was it, late? I guess it was in the fourth quarter when the Wolves were kind of trying to hold serve. The Thunder made a bit of a push after some sloppy possessions from Minnesota. Hit a deep three over a couple of guys in the left slot. Only got to the line for four free throws, which was kind of crazy. Should have been that monster dunk we already talked about was crazy. Four rebounds, four assists. He did have four turnovers, but this was a good ant game. Um, again, pay no mind to the minus one plus minus. He was very, very good in this game. Um, Carl Anthony Towns, he had a relatively quiet 21, 10 and six, six of 15 shooting, not his most efficient game, but he was two of four on threes, seven of eight at the line, had a couple of rim out, had, well, had a free throw at the, a free throw rim out, but also had a couple of layups rim out. Um, I thought this was a good cat game as well. And my third stud is Rudy Gobert, 12 points, 18 rebounds. Six of six shooting, missed his only free throw attempt, which was a, uh, a old fashioned three point play in the fourth quarter. One assist, one steal, one block, 
and uh, that block was on Chet. Actually, Cat had a block on, was it Chet? It was in the open floor early in the game, uh, which was a really incredible play. But this is a good Rudy game as well, and, and they didn't do a whole lot of forcing the ball to him. There was only, I think, one lob that I can remember, and it was finished in the first half. He had a couple of offensive rebound cleanups. He had the post-up I alluded to. Um, other than like when he tried to play point Rudy in, in the open floor in the second quarter, besides that, like this was a really good Rudy Gobert game. I didn't talk about Jaden McDaniels. Like he's somewhere in between. Like he played really well. Also, the the foul trouble. It's tough to stay out of foul trouble this particular game. But he was essentially the second scorer with some of these units. He was actually he finished third on the Wolves in scoring in this game with 14 points. I easily could give him a fourth stud for this one uh, because he scored a little bit early second, early fourth quarter in those rotation. You know. Uh, his turn in that rotation that he normally doesn't get thought he played really well. Um, so kudos to Jaden. And I mentioned he guarded Chet for stretches and was very good on Chet Holmgren as well. Uh, late in the game when Josh Giddy was on the floor, Rudy was guarding Josh Giddy. Just leave him in the corner, guard the paint, pack the paint, deter, let Josh Giddy hang out in the corner. And uh, seemed to work out pretty well as the wolves. I'm going to go ahead and call this holding them under hundred because they were at 99 and the wolves just let, whoever it was, get an easy two in the closing seconds that didn't matter. So this was another game they really did hold the opponent under 100 for all intents and purposes. I'm going to throw up those stats one more time. The Wolves held OKC to just over 44% shooting. Um, Minnesota only turned it over 13 times, which is still a little more than you'd like it to be. But remember, talked about this on Monday show, OKC turns opponents over at a higher rate than any other defense in the league. They're number one in defensive turnover rate. The Wolves turned it over 21 times each of the last two games against OKC. Only 13 turnovers turnovers for Minnesota here, and that is an absolute win uh, for Minnesota in that category. They were also a plus seven on the glass. You'd like that margin to be a little bigger against a small team like OKC that struggles on the boards. Uh, but they did enough on the offensive glass, uh, especially early, that helped them keep pace when the Thunder had a had a little bit of a you know a multi possession lead in the first half. Offensive rebounding was big early. And uh, the Wolves, again, more than held serve on the glass in this game. That was really, really important. All right, as we said off the top, the Wolves are now alone atop the Western Conference, a half game ahead of Denver, and one game ahead of OKC. Next up for Minnesota, the Wolves have on Wednesday, and on Wednesday's show, we'll preview this, but the Wolves have the Dallas Mavericks back in Minnesota on Wednesday. Uh, we'll talk about that matchup. We'll talk about the last couple times the Wolves faced Dallas. Um, this is the, I think the last time we'll see Dallas this year. Yeah, the fourth and final regular season matchup between the Wolves and Mavs. That is Wednesday evening, 7 p.m. back at Target Center after this four-game road trip. Uh, that's all I have for you today here on the show. A big thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on the Locked On Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow on X at Locked On T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two Bs, two E's, CK. EN. Of course, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On Plus, our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. The Locked On Wolves podcast is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked Out Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.